0: Well, um, as Rich said, my name is Ryan Warner. I'm uh, one of the uh, co-leaders of the youth ministry and the children's ministry here. Um, I've been a part of New Life for uh, about a year and a half or so. Before that, I was um, actually serving as the youth pastor at another church in town. Um, And I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, just to uh, humbly share God's word with with you and share in learning uh, from him with you. Now we're talking about prayer, and I'm joining in and continuing this series that Pastor Eric has started um, on prayer and revival. And as I was considering um, and from the Lord what direction to go uh, this morning, uh, there are, uh, uh, there's a couple of quotes that I've come across that I think I um, just would wonder if they resonate with you as they certainly resonate with me. So here's one. Most of us wish we were better at praying. It's not that we don't do it. We just don't do it with the power and energy that such a central aspect of the Christian life deserves. Tim Keller. Like many other believers, I've always sought to have a time of devotion and prayer each morning. And like most other believers, I have found it a struggle to be consistent. I'm wondering if those resonate with with you all at all. Um, I'm seeing some nods. That's good. That wasn't rhetorical. It's helpful um, because they certainly resonate with me. When uh, the topic was first broached of me uh, preaching this morning, filling in for Pastor Eric, my initial reaction was, I I would love to. If that's helpful for the church, then by all means. Then it started to occur to me that we're doing a series on prayer and that means I'd be preaching on prayer and these quotes resonate with me a lot. So I, I want you to know that I, I come before you this morning humbly uh, as simply a fellow disciple. I'm not uh, some kind of expert prayer or a prayer warrior um, to dispense all of my wisdom. But I, I trust that together we can open God's word and we can learn from him and we can grow together. So what I'd like to do... Uh, to start is, and we're actually going to do this a couple different times uh, this morning, but uh, I'm going we're going to pause and just be silent for a minute. Um, and I invite you uh, to, to pray um, and then I'll, I'll pray as well uh, in a moment after a little bit of silence. I and mean, I'll pray for myself and for the preaching of God's word this morning. And I simply want to invite you to pray also. Um, you can uh, silently to yourself and in the quietness of your heart, you can pray for the preaching of God's Word. You can pray for your own um, ability to receive God's Word this morning. So would you just join me in a moment in praying silently? Father, we come before you this morning uh, grateful for all you have done, that you have given us life, that everything that is good comes from you, that you have loved us fully and perfectly. You have demonstrated your love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you have adopted us into your family as sons and daughters, heirs to the throne, And for all of this, we thank you and we praise you. You are good. God, as we open your word this morning and seek to grow closer to you and be transformed more into the image of Christ, God, I ask for your spirit to be present in this place, speaking to each one of us, and that you would use me not to dispense any of my incredible wisdom, but simply to be a vessel for you in your spirit and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, There's a a professor and author, Kevin Halloran, and he's uh, pointed out that there's a lot of books that are written on prayer. And the reason that there are so many books written on prayer is that even after reading them... We still struggle to pray. Some reasons are intellectual, right? They, maybe we don't know how to or what to pray in a particular situation. Some are more volitional. Our hearts are distracted or apathetic. Still other reasons may be that we simply lack the proper tools to know how to come before the Lord in prayer. And there, there are countless obstacles, are there not? Uh, for, for one, um, and he lists a few, and believe me, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but I think the, the first is that we forget why prayer matters, right? As we go through life, uh, it often seems like we can do things on our own. And we forget that we pray, first and foremost, to glorify God and to align our hearts with his will. Oftentimes, I think we approach God to hope to get God on aligned with our will. But the truth is that prayer is designed for us to be aligned with his. Secondly, we, we doubt that God really hears us. And I know that in this room, that intellectually we would all affirm that God, of course, hears our prayers. We're we're believers in Him and we, we believe that God does hear our prayers. But I, I mean that deep within us, do we not sometimes believe that we're in this all on our own and that we can depend on no one but ourselves? I know I often live that way, even if I might affirm that I'm depending on God. A third obstacle is that sometimes we just don't know what to pray. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer in response to his disciples asking him to teach them how to pray. Prayer does not come naturally to us. Prayer is a skill that we can develop. It is something that we grow in as we practice it. It's not just something that we do fourthly we become distracted i'm curious how, how long into praying does it usually take for your mind to start to wander for me it's usually one or two sentences and then i'm off thinking about something else maybe it's something that the one or two sentences sparked maybe it's just something else entirely And how often does that distraction lead us away to not return to that time of prayer? Uh, For me, it does. We become distracted quite easily sometimes. Uh, Maybe we feel guilty. Perhaps there's a feeling of guilt around a particular area of sin in your life and a voice of condemnation that assures you that You're unworthy of approaching God's throne. Or maybe you think about praying and you feel guilty that you don't pray enough or well enough. And to avoid that feeling of not being a good enough prayer, you avoid praying too. And lastly, we are busy, are we not? (laughs) Um, The pressure's... And the responsibilities of life are always pressing in. There is always something else that needs to be done, something else weighing upon us, and I think we are all keenly aware of that next thing that we should be doing. And because of all that, we often simply don't even think to stop and pray. Or if you're like me, you're tired from all those responsibilities and thinking about the pressures and the weight of life. And so you feel too tired to pray because you're too busy to pray. So what does this say about us? These obstacles that we have to prayer? And again, this is no exhaustive list. Are are we simply a generation that is so captivated by our fancy iPhones that uh, we've lost the heart for prayer? or or is there something else that might be going on? We're going to take another moment um, in silent prayer. And I want to ask you to invite God to gently impress upon your heart what obstacles are most hindering your prayers. So take a moment and just invite God to speak to you. Now, something that may be of some comfort to you is that to struggle in prayer is not a new phenomenon for believers in Jesus. D.L. Moody, who was an evangelist um, in the 1800s, wrote a book in 1884, which was 100 years before I was born, called Prevailing in Prayer. And in it, he suggests that the reasons that Christians do not prevail in prayer more are simply that they don't do it. That we don't pray particularly often and that is why we don't see victory. We, we don't see results in prayer as we would like. That was in 1884. Uh, John Calvin, um, who wrote his institute's of the Christian religion in 1536. He points to the exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing and says that, of course, every Christian should aspire to pray to God constantly throughout the day. But then he adds this, since our weakness is such that it has to be supported by many aids, and our sluggishness such that it needs to be goaded. It is fitting each one of us should set apart certain hours for this exercise. I'm going to say that again. Since our weakness is such that it needs to be supported by many aids, and our sluggishness is such that it needs to be goaded. This is in 1536. Calvin didn't have any iPhones distracting him, right? <laughs> and yet, what is he observing about us as people who love God and want to grow in him. Our weakness needs aid and support. We are sluggish and need to be goaded along. The phenomenon that we might struggle with prayer is not new for those of us who are followers of Jesus. It it is a common plight. It is a common reality. And and the text that we're going to look at Today I, I believe gives us not just great insights, but also comfort and hope as we engage in this struggle of prayer. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 um, verses 10 through 20 and it'll be on the screen. Um, you can follow along in your Bibles as I read. Now read this kind of entire chunk of text and then uh, we'll kind of look at a couple different sections of it uh, in part. So Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Friends, we struggle with prayer, and we should expect to struggle in prayer. We should expect it. Paul here is writing about the reality of the Christian life. And he describes it as a battle, a battle against spiritual forces of evil and, and this present darkness. And he then implores us to act accordingly with this extended analogy of a soldier preparing himself for battle, putting on the armor, grabbing the appropriate tools. He is preparing us and encouraging us to prepare to act as though the Christian life is a battle. You wouldn't step onto a modern battlefield and not expect to get shot at, right? You'd be in for a rude awakening, otherwise... Paul is saying that we are in battle. We struggle to pray because we have an enemy who is working against us, whose very desire it is to prevent us from engaging in battle through prayer. So of course we come across obstacles to pray. Of course we are busy. Of course we we are distracted. Of course, we feel feeble and fumble through our words and feel insufficient and insignificant, and we wonder if it really makes a difference. Of course, that is the experience we have of prayer. That is exactly what we should expect the experience to be. And Paul, in verses 18 through 20, there at the end, ties this reality of battle directly to prayer right he, he goes through the the analogy of the armor and then he says the take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of the lord praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me No wonder we are so prone to feel as though we don't pray often enough or well enough. We have spiritual enemies at work against us. Uh, We struggle with prayer. I think it was just up there on the screen. We struggle with prayer because by definition, prayer is a struggle. Say that again. We struggle with prayer because by definition, prayer is a struggle so let us not then fall for the devil's schemes shaming us into believing that we're bad Christians whose sparse and feeble prayers don't amount to anything because I think that is the temptation right the temptation to ultimately not believe That prayer does anything, probably because we're not doing it well enough or right enough. But rather, let us be encouraged that our struggle is, by its very nature, common to all of Christ's disciples. And therefore, let us encourage one another to persevere in battle. And that's what Paul asks us to do, to persevere. And I want to press in on the idea that this is a one another reality. Because I, I believe that anytime we're discussing an aspect of the Christian life where we may feel that we're not doing good enough, the temptation is to assume that the solution is to try harder, to do better. So we double down on our reliance on willpower even though we know from past experience that that doesn't typically really do much for us. I still will commit myself to to pray at this time and in this way, and it works for a few days or a few weeks until those distractions come in again, until I'm busy again, until I'm discouraged again. I tend to, in in my sinful spirit, be very self-reliant to assume that I can take care of whatever needs to be taken care of on its own or on my own. And I'm often driven to prayer when I'm at my wits end, when, well, my own strength didn't work out. Now I don't know what else to do. And I think there's great hope for us in our struggle with prayer when we pray in community. This text in Ephesians was not written to an individual person, but to a church. And as you know, modern Westerners, as Americans, we, our first instinct is to individualize everything. We think, how does this apply to me? What do I need to do? But it is good for us to remember that this was written to a community of people who are following Jesus together, not merely to an individual. So when Paul writes to pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, and to keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for him as he goes to preach the word, Yes, it would make sense for each individual person to take that as, as they are being implored to do that. But I believe that Paul was writing that intentionally to a group of people and imploring them to do this together, to live out the Christian life in this way together. And he even demonstrates that it is a shared act because he asks them to pray for him. He gives them specific requests. He trusts that they will be praying for him in his ministry. And he has already, uh, throughout the the book of Ephesians, told them how he is praying for them. It's a communal activity, just as much as it's an, an individual one. Uh, James teaches us um, in chapter five, verse sixteen, says, "Make this your common practice: confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you can live together whole and healed." The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. And that's the the message translation, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of scriptures, and I uh, I find that so helpful sometimes. Uh, the way that that it's phrased there. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Prayer is meant to be done with one another. I think many of you can attest, I know I certainly can, to the power of confession and prayer together. Maybe you've been struggling With some pattern of sin that you want to be different for so long. And you pray all the time, God, fix this in me. Change this in me. Make me different. Make me better. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. And yet you find yourself right back where you were again and again. Yet I have found that when I have a habit, when I have a group of people that I am close with, that I trust, that I can be honest with that I can confess hey this is where I'm struggling right now this is where I need to grow right now and then they do the same with me and we pray together for one another there's power in that that is how I have found that I am more likely and more able to live whole and healed with one another author Megan Hill, in her book, Praying Together, guess what it's about? Yeah, praying together. In her book, Praying Together, talks about ways in which praying together rightly and powerfully brings us level. It levels us. In our society, we, um, and this is not a new phenomenon either, but we very easily kind of put ourselves in different categories, right? Uh, whether it's by socioeconomic status, uh, by race, by um, ethnic background, by skill set or abilities. We find all kinds of ways to um, put ourselves on different levels and uh, have our own judgments about where we stand versus other people. But praying together, that has a way of leveling us. Uh, for one, when we pray together, we become aware of that we are equally needy. Because when we pray together, we pray in the humility of faith. We each come to prayer precisely because we are weak, needy, and sinful. We possess only what Thomas Manton called the empty hand of the soul which looketh for all from God. It's the just openness, the I don't have what it takes on my own. Or as uh, I've heard uh, Andy Stanley preach, I can't, he can, he can through me. We're all on the same plane. We are all equally needy before the throne of God. In a company of praying people is a company of people equally dependent upon God. Secondly, not only do we find that we're equally needy, but we find that we are equally useful. Listen um, to Paul's report to the Colossian church. He writes about Epaphras. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf for his prayers. There it is again, that idea of prayer being a struggle. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Erapolis. Epaphras is not someone that we know as this great uh, man of faith. We, we don't have all of his letters that are written to different churches. We don't know of his sermons that he t- preached. We don't know much at all about him other than he was a companion of Paul's and that he prayed. And Paul is attesting that the prayers that he was a part of and that he witnessed the doing, Made a difference for for the Colossians, for the Laodiceans, and I assume the Herapolisians. Should have thought that one through before I got to that. The point is, Epaphras was doing extremely valuable work for the Lord. It was a constant struggle. It required sacrifice of time and energy. It encouraged the saints and helped three different churches. It was really, really hard. He was praying together with other believers. And Paul writes to the Colossian church and says, I just want you to know this work is being done on your behalf. We tend to value uh, in our culture, right? The um, preacher who has the amazing speaking gifts and can just wow us with his words the musicians who write and play fantastic songs that we sing along with these are of course good gifts that God is using to bless the church it is not um, and these are not bad things the issue that I think we have is that we value them above the work of praying together and I believe that is the Invitation that he gives all of us, regardless of what our skill set is, regardless of what part of the body of Christ we may be, we are all equally useful in prayer and in the struggle and battle of prayer for one another. And finally, we are all able to be equally participating in prayer together. All of God's people can and should participate the healthy and the sick, the male and the female, the young and the old, the rich and the poor, and the somewhere in between. There is no category that you can put yourself in that changes your valuable labor in prayer. We are all level. And we are all invited as part of God's church to pray together. We've been talking a little bit about community groups the last few weeks, and uh, in your bulletins, if you got one this morning, uh, there's a couple of different things I want to encourage you to look at. There's a community groups catalog listing the different groups because key to each group that meets together is the idea of praying together. And so if you're not in a community group, I I would encourage you, I would encourage you to think about if there's a way to connect that, that might be a good fit for you because it's an opportunity that you would have to pray together with others to be an equal, valuable laborer in this struggle against evil and darkness. So please do look through the community group catalog Consider if God is inviting you as a next right step in your life. to Maybe step out of a comfort zone and into a group. There's also uh, this sheet on prayer needs and what is available here at New Life. With information on uh, a prayer chain, uh, a, a posted prayer wall via email, prayer meetings that happen periodically, in other ways that people gather together here at New Life to pray. And likewise, I I want you not just to be aware that these things exist, but to be open to considering how might this be an invitation to me to participate in prayer as a church in community. Because... I know that I struggle with prayer. None of you have told me otherwise yet, so I'm going to assume that you all struggle with prayer too. I mean, Paul seems to think that we're all going to struggle and that that's kind of the way it is. It doesn't say as so much about us as it does about the reality in which we live. And I want to invite you to prayerfully consider with whom you might be able to pray. Who can you pray with? Maybe it's a community group. Maybe it's people that you live with in your home. Maybe it's a friend that you can call and pray with over the phone. Who might you pray with that you don't just struggle alone and feel like you don't do it good enough or often enough but that you can be encouraged to persevere in community we're going to do this thing one, more, one last time we're actually going to be quiet and I want you to think and pray about who you might pray with maybe someone will come to mind very quickly and the prayer might be for the, uh, maybe courage to break through the awkwardness and, and ask if you can pray with that person as co-laborers. Or maybe you have no idea. And then this could be a time for you to ask God for inspiration. I want to invite you to take a minute to quietly pray. And then I'll close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who has marked us as yours and who makes us like Jesus. What comfort, assurance, and peace we have in knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing will disconnect us from your will. Nothing is left up to chance. You will bring to completion the good work that you have begun in us and in your world and you will do so by the power and presence of your Spirit. For so glorious a gospel, so grand a salvation, and so great a hope, we worship and adore you. This morning we gladly give ourselves to the work of your Spirit in us and through us. And in particular, you're calling for us to pray in the Spirit continually, with all prayer and supplication we would surely despair if we had to pray in the smallness of our strength or on the basis of our godliness or by the limitations of our perspective. So, Father, in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Spirit, for the revealing of your glory, we bring our prayers and requests to you. Do exceedingly beyond all we can ask or imagine. Startle us with your faithfulness. Shock us with your goodness. Astonish us by your generosity. We won't mind being embarrassed by our lack of faith if it will highlight the greatness of your love. We bring you our children and the children of our friends. Make the gospel beautiful and believable to them. Father, may we neither despair of our failures nor rely on our parenting for their salvation. Capture them and free them for your purposes and praise. We bring you our church, bring renewal, bring restoration of first love, bring deep repentance. Free us from ingrownness, from paralyzing pettiness, predictable sameness. Stir us up and send us out. Make us like gospel fountains for our cities and communities. We bring you our friends, wounded hearts, broken marriages, strained relationships, depleted finances, destructive addictions, failing health. Holy Spirit, bring your resurrection power to bear. Work miracles in our midst for the fame of Jesus and the glory of God. And finally, we bring you ourselves. Nobody needs the gospel more than us, more than me. Be gentle with us and refresh us. Let us hear you again singing over us in Jesus. Let us experience your great and transforming delight and quiet our restless hearts with your irrepressible love. In the name of Jesus and in his spirit we pray. Amen.